Should we use trends, memes? Is remix culture even okay as a business and a brand? We're going to dive into all of those questions and more today with our guest, Autumn Whit Boyd, who runs the law firm for coaches and online educators. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Savvy Social Podcast, the show that blends stories and strategies to help businesses create engaged and profitable online communities using the unique power of social media. And now your host, Andrea Jones. Oh, before we get into it, I have a little treat for y'all. We use Riverside as our virtual digital studio for recording our podcast, and you can use them today as well with 15% off. They gave everyone a little coupon. Use the code DREA, D-R-E-A, at checkout, and you will get 15, that's one 5% off any plan that you choose. Pretty sweet. I like using Riverside because it's super clean, professional. They have tons of features built right in the app. Uh, It's very nice. So check it out for yourself. I'll put the link in the show notes. And with that, let's welcome Autumn to the show. Autumn, hi, hello. How are you? Hi, Andrea. I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me today. I'm excited to chat with you because I have been, I've known of you for years. And then it wasn't until recently that we have a conversation. I was like, oh, I need to know you more. So this is partially selfishly. Um, and also I want to just bring your expertise on the podcast, but I'd like to get a little bit about your, your background as well. Cause you've, you've been in the legal field for over 18 years, correct? Yes. Yes. We're coming up on 20 now. (laughs) Wild. (laughs) That's awesome. So talk to me about the journey. Did you always work with coaches in in the online space or what what was the beginning like? No, not at all. So I had a very normal, boring legal career to start. I thought I was going to be like a superstar trial courtroom lawyer. Um, That's what I went to law school wanting to do. So I worked for a judge. I worked at a couple of different law firms, uh, but I was always really interested in intellectual property. So um, music is, I was a theater kid. Yeah, I just always have loved creative work. So I always kind of in the back of my mind had hoped to do that kind of work. Where I live in Chattanooga, Tennessee, there is not a lot of it. Um, and I'm kind of planted here. I didn't really want to move to one of the larger cities that has more of an entertainment industry. Um, so my last job before I started my own firm, I was working, I was was doing copyright law, working with a lot of photographers. Um, and we helped them enforce their copyrights. We were suing different companies that were using their images without permission. Um, And so I learned a lot doing that about working with creatives and just about copyright law, which is very tricky and complicated. Um, So when I kind of hit my wall at that job and left to start my own thing, I just wanted to keep doing that work, but I didn't really have a grand plan of who I would be doing it for. Um, And this, you were one of the first podcasts I listened to, Andrea. This was like 2015. Um, and I was just trying to learn how to run a business because they don't teach you that in law school. Um, so I was trying to learn marketing and sales and all the things. Um, and I kind of fell into the online industry because a lot of those podcasts that I was listening to and learning from had Facebook groups or had an online course that went with them. So I started learning about, you know, this digital marketing, what I call like our little corner of the internet. Um, and I found it was really a blue ocean, like not on purpose, But I found there were really no other lawyers or very few um, who were helping these types of businesses. And I started getting to know people. I started 
you know, just offering to be helpful in some of the Facebook groups and started getting clients. And one thing led to another, you know, it's been many, many steps since then. Um, But we, you know, as the firm has grown, and as our expertise has grown, we really like working with these kinds of businesses and the owners. Um, So we have narrowed down to this one area since then. Oh, that's so fascinating. I bet too, it's got to be challenging because I know I deal with this running a business that works in both the US and Canada. And like 20 years ago, that wasn't really heard of, right? Like if you had, say, the photography business, you did photography in your area or people came to you. Maybe occasionally you travel, but it was mostly local to you. And now it's like when we think about online business, we're not just protecting our rights you know, statewide or even nationwide. It's like international. It's got to be mm-hmm. very complicated, right? It can be, yes. And the the more complicating factor is that in in every country, the lawyers are really, you know, you only really know the laws of your own state or your own country or in Canada. It's, um, I'm going to say it wrong, not territory. Oh, provinces. We have, we have some territories too. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I know when I've tried to find Canadian lawyers for some of our clients, they're like, nope, wrong province. Yes. Um, so law is very territorial. And so it can be very complicated when you have an online business serving customers around the world. And now all of a sudden, you've got to figure out all these laws of all these different places. Yeah. And the internet doesn't make that any more challenging. <laughs> and especially recently, there's like this understanding online that we have this remix culture, right? Someone creates a piece of content and then the rest of the internet just copies it. <laughs> How do we draw the line between like what's ours as a create online creator and what's like publicly available for other people to copy? Yeah. So I'll give you like the legal copyright lawyer answer and then I'll give you kind of the practical answer. We're very practical here at the AWB firm. Uh, so under copyright law, if you create something, so let's say a movie studio creates a movie or a TV studio creates a television show, or you create a graphic or a photo, you know, you own or the company that creates it owns that copyright. So they really control what you get with a copyright is you get the right to control how it's used, if it can be copied, if it can be displayed for a song or a play, you know, whether it can be performed. Um, and copyright law in the United States is very strict. So if you are, you if, if someone else, if Andrea sees a you know clip from Schitt's Creek and wants to borrow it, um, and you didn't ask permission, technically that could be copyright infringement. So the the kind of base rule to keep in mind is if you don't have permission, or if the you know the person who produced the work has not like explicitly said that it can be used in whatever way you're wanting to use it, um, that could be copyright infringement. Now we do have this thing in the United States called fair use which you may have heard of. It's written into our copyright law and there's different versions of it in different countries. Um, but I will say legally, it's very risky, especially if you are using it in, for a business purpose. Um, the, it's very it's a very gray area. So I typically say, if you're wanting to use it, especially in some sort of paid product. Now I know we're mostly talking about social media. So you know, you're, not, you're not making money off of a post generally. Um, but I would, I would just say, you know, that's kind of the, the very strict legal answer. Um, and another area to think about, you may have heard the word derivative work. Mm-hmm. So that's like a big fancy word for basically just a work based on another work. So a meme can be considered a derivative work because usually you're adding words or you're adding yeah. some sort of, you know, context to the clip from a TV show or a song. Um, so you're technically 
violating one of the rights that people get with a copyright that they get to control what works are made out of their works. Okay, so that's the really strict like legal version. As a practical matter, we now do have this remix culture, this meme culture. And I did some spot research before we hopped on. We are not seeing lawsuits being filed over memes in general. Now, that's not to say there haven't been any, but it's not like this huge problem that we're seeing. So I think what has happened, and this is true of a lot of things on social media, is, you know, the whoever owns the rights to Schitt's Creek, it's kind of publicity for them to have memes being shared. So there's kind of been a like, yeah, it might technically be violating their copyright, but they're kind of getting a benefit from it. So they're not really enforcing that right, if that makes sense. That doesn't mean they couldn't start enforcing it at some point. Um, And some of these things, like you'll see with Saturday Night Live and other, um, you know, popular, very pop culture type things, some of them are shared on platforms that are easy to make memes from. Or that where even you can grab memes, you can grab images and video. So, you know, I think in some of those cases, there is almost like a a consent or a permission that is given. Like, hey, this thing is free for you to use. Uh, I would want to kind of read the fine print and and look at that carefully. Um, The other thing I will mention, and I'll stop talking, um, is anytime that you are just like sharing something that someone else has posted and you're just sharing like a link to their YouTube or a link to where the meme lives on another platform, that's not infringement because all you're doing is kind of like putting up a road sign. Like here's how you go find the thing. Um, you're not technically using it. You're just you know sharing a way to access it, if that makes sense. So that's that was a lot of different ways to think about it. But I would say this is a low risk activity for most businesses who are using social media marketing. Got it. Oh, that's so fascinating. I think it'll be curious to see how this develops over the years because right now it's kind of like everyone's did to do. We're going along. It's fine. You can use it. And even I see this happen a lot with resharing posts. So mm-hmm. there are accounts that take viral videos and basically reshare them. And for the most part, it's all positive, right? It's, you know, this original creator is getting hopefully credited. (laughs) Right, right. And um, they're, you know, reaching a new audience and expanding all of those things. And I think at some point, somebody may get upset by this and file a lawsuit and be like, y'all can't use my stuff. (laughs) Yeah. And I would say the one area where we have seen some legal action is with like a regular person who has a video made of them, whether it was theirs or someone else took it of them. And then that goes viral and people start, you know, memifying it uh, where they never intended (laughs) to be, you know, in all of these, you know, uh, memes Um, in several States, not every state in the United States, there's what's called the right of publicity. And so that means you get to control how your face or your name is used to advertise other people's stuff. Okay. Um, And so I could see some action happening there, but especially if it were used commercially. Now, again, like if you're just sharing with your friend or posting it on your, you know, your personal feed, who cares? But if, you know, uh, Procter and Gamble is using a meme and they did not get permission, you know, to promote a toothpaste or something, you know, I could see um, the person in that meme having a pretty good claim under some of these state laws for the right of publicity. So kind of keep that in mind. Yeah. I always think that about the the memes and stuff that have kids in them. I'm always like, oh, yeah. like, yes, they're adorable. They're making the cutest little faces. And also like, did they want that? I don't know. I don't know. Right. Did their parents even get permission? Probably not. Like, yeah. <laughs> it is so sticky. And so 
Um, you know, I think as business owners, we got to use a little common sense to figure out what works for us. And um, I've heard that, uh, like you said, when you're using like memes, trending songs or sounds and things like that, in a general sense, it's okay. Where the rules start tightening up is with paid advertising digitally. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So am I correct in that assumption? Like, especially for for songs and things, you have to have rights to use like paid you have to have the rights to use that as paid advertising. Yes. And the most of the social platforms have built in kind of robot monitors that will keep you from using things that you don't have permission to use because they actually will get licenses and then, you know, have those available for people to use. So if you notice, like I have, I think I have a creator account or a business account. I can't remember. I have one of those. And so like there are certain songs that are not available for my use that if I had a personal account, they might be. And that's because Instagram or you know, whatever platform has taken care of the licensing. Um, And so if you see them on the native app, like those are fine to use because they've already taken care of that. But if you're trying to do, you know, add it on your own and then upload it to the platform, sometimes you will have problems there. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen, um, you know, anywhere from they'll take your video down or mute your video all the way Mm -hmm. to your whole account will be (laughs) shut down. They take it pretty seriously. The people who own those songs, you know, they could sue Instagram for not enforcing their rights. Like it, you know, they're, they're, they are always looking out for their own backs rather than yours. Yeah. Yeah. Their own, their own public or their own interest there. Um, so I'm curious about product reviews. So I used to work with a product based company that was fairly large and we would have people tagging us in products all the time. Um, and when I kind of was brought onto that team, um, we would just repost it. Now this was like five, six years ago on Instagram. So it was still very new to have like influencer culture. Um, But these regular people would post the product and then we would repost it to Mm -hmm. our feed. Is that okay? (laughs) So that's one of those like technically could be copyright infringement. If you don't have permission, 99 times out of 100, the person will probably not care, especially if they're tagged or credited. Um, But especially if you are a business and a large business that looks like you might have resources if you were sued to pay out a settlement, um, always a great idea to just shoot a DM or if, you know, if it's something you find on a website, you know, shoot an email, however you want to contact that person is the most easily. Um, And just say, hey, loved this piece. Do you mind if I reshare it? Like, it's as simple as that. And then just, you know, take a screenshot and save it so that if there's questions later. And that way, for that one out of 100 that might not want you to share it, they'll say no. (laughs) And then you'll avoid that problem because you'll know, okay, that they're not okay with that. Oh, yeah. Get it in writing, y'all. (laughs) Yes. And and when I, so on that project, I started working with influencers, especially in the paid capacity. And so we would, we had a contract that we would have to send to them that said, you know, we are going to be, we're going to use this. We're going to use this in our paid advertising. So if you agree to work with us, you're agreeing for us to use this. And then near the end of working on that project, we even had to start putting time limits to how long we could use it as well. So it wasn't just like we could use this forever. It was like, like we could use this video for the next year and then we got to sign another contract. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's so interesting to me how, and I'm guessing that's um, normal in the entertainment industry, but how it's being applied to like influencers as well mm-hmm. is absolutely fascinating to me. 
Yeah. And that's actually when I talked about representing photographers and suing people who were using their images without permission, it was almost always what you talked about where the, we were suing mostly textbook publishers who were using their images. So they would get a limited license. That's what that's called. The influencer who puts kind of some guardrails around how long you can use their content. Um, so it might have a time period, it might have languages or territory. Um, but when you have those contracts, the trick, and I'm sure the company you worked with had some sort of system, you have to monitor that so that at that year mark, you stop using it or technically you're infringing their copyright. So that then is just like a whole, you know, rights management, contract management. It is a big hassle. Um, yeah. So just be aware if you're entering, you know, if you're a smaller company working with these influencers, like you need to have some sort of system set up. So an alert pops up like, oh, I, I time has run out. I need to stop. Yeah. Stop or like renew the contract. Or renew the contract. Yeah. yeah if it's, if it's a great piece of content and it works for you, make it mutually beneficial. Yes, like yes, if you're making yes, money yes. from it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But so much content I feel like is ephemeral. Like, you know, what, it, what was in last year is not going to be effective this year. So it's just important to kind of think about that. Yeah, that is so true. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I have one more question, um, generally speaking. And then I want to like get nosy about your own strategy as well. So we'll <laughs> be right back. <laughs> if you're tired of always feeling like you're starting from scratch with your marketing content, spending so much time uh, for something that just is gone in a snap, I have the best solution for you. It is called the Digital Brain Power Pack, our brand new resource for online business owners. And it's designed so that you don't have any more one hit wonders. You get to store all of your best content in your very own custom created digital vault. So you can repurpose eloquently and you can say goodbye to the never ending desire or need we feel to create completely custom content on social media. Grab the Digital Brain Power Pack today for only $17. And your past content is pure gold. So with this Digital Brain, we are going to mine that content for the gold that it is, shine it up, repackage it, rejuvenate it, and make it feel brand new again, even though you're posting old content on social media. Okay. So what does the digital brain power pack come with? It comes with our digital brain training. So you can really kickstart your journey, know where to start, how to update it. It comes with the ready to use template in Airtable, which is my tool of choice when it comes to building out digital brains. It comes with real life examples. Cause so you can see digital brains in the wild. And yes, you'll get to peek at my own digital brain. Sneaky, sneaky. And oh, if you are an agency or social media manager, I have a mini training for you in there on how to do this for your clients. So if you are ready to take your content past, present, future to the next level, grab the digital brain power pack. It's $17 y'all. And give that endless hustle the boot and embrace your brilliance the things you've already created again $17 the link is onlinedrea.com slash digital dash brain but y'all know the best link is in the show notes click it there I'll see you there all right we're back so I want to talk about reposting things with giving credit as well um, and we do this specifically for companies um, in my agency who um, they don't know the original creator, but the content 
will serve both audiences. And we want to kind of give them a little bit of a signal boost. So my rule of thumb, you know, for a long, I've been running this business for almost 10 years has always been just repost it and give them credit. And you're right. 99% of people are excited. I've only ever had one person who was like, Hey, can you take that down? And we took it down and we made a note yeah. in our file to never repost their stuff. But now... 2023, Andrea is like, wait a second, I probably should ask first. But then in my mind, I'm like, this is going to take so long. And there's so much content from like larger agencies than mine about how their legal department has to approve a post. And like, I saw this one the other day that was approved post about the coronation of the king in England. And that was like, <laughs> that was like earlier, way <laughs> earlier this year, but the post finally got approved by legal. So it's just now going out. That's how I feel. I'm like, this is going to take forever. Yeah. So, but it sounds like based on what you're saying, like technically, yes, but generally speaking, the company is so small that they're not probably going to be sued, but technically they could be. Am I right in thinking this way? You are right. Yes. So I would say this is going to somewhat depend on the clients you're working with. What is their level of risk tolerance? And what is, you know, their, how big are they? Does it look like that they have enough assets, enough revenue that they would be a good target for a lawsuit? You know, someone like a small agency, a small online company is very unlikely to be sued because there's the juice is not worth the squeeze. (laughs) There's not enough there. Um, But if you look at a larger, you know, especially like a big mega corporation, I mean, they're like you said, their approval timelines, I mean, they are incredibly careful, and they might be planning content six months out. Um, So that does take away your ability to hop on trends that pop up really quickly, because they just might be too risky for those kind of clients to be open to, um, you know, the getting the benefit out of sharing something that is viral and happened very quickly versus the potential for something going wrong. Yeah. Um, but I would say with most, you know, small and mid-sized companies, the risk is not huge. So they might be more willing to do that. Now I will mention we work with some agencies. It's really important that your contract is clear about like, let's say something goes wrong and you share something you shouldn't have. Like whose fault is that? Is it your agency's fault? Or is your client on the hook? Because I've seen some contracts where for my like for my clients who are online businesses where they were hiring an ads agency and the ads agency was basically like, we can do whatever we want and you're the one who has to pay for it if something goes wrong. And I was like, that is not fair. Like if you the if you the business are not even touching what the agency is doing, that's not fair. And same thing vice versa. Like putting the agency on the hook if the business is actually providing them the content. Um, so I think, you know, it depends on the relationship. It depends on who's creating what. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I'm like thinking through like, what does our contract say? <laughs> um, yeah. And I know we have insurance too as well. Because, yes, I was about to say, and yeah, you should have insurance for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because you never know. Oh my gosh. I'm going to go immediately look at my contracts. I hate, yeah, I hate to be like the boogeyman. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, let's review our contract. No, that's so interesting because what we've done now is we have just a pool of creators that we source from um, where we already have like relationships with them. And it makes it a lot easier to like... Oh, that's great. Cross post, you know, content. And then for certain memes and things, it just depends. Like on the meme and on the client. So recently, you know, Taylor Swift was was memeified for dating a football player. Like most of our clients, that's safe territory. Um, But the Barbie movie was like, oh, that's like that Barbie is like a pretty big 
copyrighted thing. Mm -hmm. So most of my clients were like, we're just going to stay away from that one, you know? Well, and they had, I don't know if you heard, they had a whole campaign, a whole PR campaign where they were licensing the rights to use Barbie in ads. So I could see them because they did try and monetize that. I could see them being a little more aggressive in their enforcement. Yeah. And and you're right. It's like, it just depends on the client too, because we do have some clients that, um, they're too big to just like do whatever. <laughs> you know? exactly. It's like, well, we got to be careful because people m- will, may want to sue you. Um, yeah. Whereas, yeah. you know, smaller companies or even like my own, my own personal mm-hmm. accounts, it, I, I feel comfortable posting yeah. that kind yeah. of stuff. This is so interesting to me because there's, I love the duality of, you know, here's what's legally what could happen. And then like the chances of something happening and your own risk tolerance. Yes. Because yeah. there is this this world that we plan in online. It's evolving so quickly. Um, I'm curious to see like what do you predict happening in the future with some of this, some of the people trying to protect their own image or protect their content. Like do you see people starting to hire lawyers to pursue some of the these potential cases? I would say that yeah, the I mean the bigger your profile gets it goes both ways. Like you want to protect your own stuff more and you also want to go after um, other people who are using your stuff without permission. So, um, but I do think you're right. It's evolving. And we've had this really almost like an ironclad grip on copyrighted work for a long time. Like there's this fence built around it. And for creators, that's great. Unless you're a creator that creates by borrowing from other people. So there is this real tension right now in the law. And our last copyright update was in like 2000. So (laughs) the law is not keeping up with reality. So it's, you know, it's evolving bit by bit. Um, I, I don't think we mentioned AI yet, but like there's some lawsuits starting with how the AI companies are like compiling other people's works to make their engines. Like it, this is evolving in real time and it, there are a lot of questions. But I think we're going to see there's there's probably going to be a shift with now how much protection you get around a creative work now that there is this like much more loosey-goosey kind of uh, cu- culture around using other people's stuff among memes, among, you know, resharing things going viral, all of that. I just don't see how it can stay the way it has been. Yeah, it's got to evolve. And you're right, especially with AI. I read a news story recently about Mr. Beast. Someone created an AI version of him, made a TikTok ad. It's crazy. Yeah. And they were like, give us $20 and we'll give you an iPhone. And like, logically, you go, nobody's doing that. But that's Mr. (laughs) Beast's style, right? Like, he makes videos like that. And so people bought into it. And then he had to reach out or his company had to reach out to their company to take it down. I think that's where I'm like, oh, this is a clear, like, no, no zone. Like, we should not be doing this. Mm -hmm. Well, have you heard some of the music where they can basically like AI can write a song in the style of a person and you hear it and you're like, oh, that is a song by that person. Like it is almost indistinguishable now. It's very, very tricky. So that will will just as a copyright lawyer, I'm like very interested to see how this starts to play out. And then you've got, you know, judges who are often, you know, older white gentlemen who don't understand this technology trying to sort this all out. So, right. Right. The people who are... It's, we live in interesting times. <laughs> the people who are like trying to interpret the law, right, are don't even understand how all of this works. That's... Right. Oh my God. Right. We're, we're in for yeah. it. We're in for it. Okay. So I'm curious about your approach to social media as well, because we have a number of lawyers, law firms, um, people in the legal space, paralegals who um, listen to the show and even marketers who work with those um, 
categories. So you mentioned that in the early days of your business, you would kind of jump into Facebook groups. And I think the biggest question that a lot of people have about that is we have you have to be very clear, like this is not legal advice. How did you go about like providing solutions without the assumption that you're representing someone? Yeah. Um, I think the longer that social media is around, like if you think that someone is your lawyer because they post a Facebook comment, like I, I just don't see that as an actual problem anymore. Like it's pretty clear unless you hire me, I'm not your lawyer. So, I mean, I will see some, this happens more on LinkedIn. I feel like LinkedIn is just a more formal atmosphere. I'll see this like, you know, three sentence disclaimer that people put on every single comment. And I'm like, is that really necessary? I don't think it's necessary. Now, I will say occasionally, I'll back up. I try and keep my comments really general. So I try not to give advice if it's not an actual client. You know, I might say I've seen such and such, or you might consider such and such, or, you know, I I recommend to our clients that they do X, Y, Z. So I try and make it kind of general so that it's clear. Uh, but every now and then I will try and jump in and be a little more specific. And so I will sometimes say like, I will add like, this is obviously not legal advice, but, and I feel like that kind of gets you where you need to go. Uh, now I, I have a podcast and on every episode I give a disclaimer. And if I do a video or a Facebook live or, um, you know, any kind of content, um, or a blog post, I do include that quick disclaimer. Um, I don't think it's, again, I'm, I'm not seeing any action here around people suing law firms because they took their advice, even though they weren't really a client, like that's just not a thing. Um, but I think it, it's always helpful. I say the same things to our doctor clients, like go ahead and throw on, like, it should be obvious. This is not medical advice, but just to be safe, doesn't hurt to throw that on there. Yeah. And there's so many fields that this is applicable to. We have some therapists and therapy groups mm-hmm. that we work with. Like, yeah, we have to be careful Accountants, about yes, yeah. tax advice, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can give very generalized observations. <laughs> and if you want individualized advice, you got to hire the person. Yes. Yes. So how do you navigate your own social strategy? Um, you know, you have a successful company. I know you have a team working with you, but you're the face of the company. So how do you navigate For better all or worse? Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it started out as very much a personal brand. And then as we started growing, you know, we're now four lawyers. I have a team of 10. It is definitely not just the autumn show anymore. Um, but I feel like I enjoy doing this part of it, that the being out in front part. Um, and most of the team just wants to do their job. They don't really want to be out in public. They will do it if I ask them, <laughs> but it is, it is not their favorite thing. So um, I have, I've kind of maintained that being the face, but we did a couple of years ago gosh, it's been probably five or six years. Um, we changed from the name of the company being my name to now we, we just use my initials, the AWB firm. Mm. And actually I was at a dinner last week in Nashville and a bunch of my clients were there. And there was one person there that I hadn't met who wasn't a client. And I introduced myself and I said, hi, I'm Autumn. And somebody else said, yeah, she's our lawyer. And she looks at me, she goes, oh, AWB firm. And I was like, yes, <laughs> it's I working. accomplished my goal. Yes. <laughs> Um, so as far as how we do our marketing, we've tried lots of different things, but, um, I really like having marketing in-house. Um, and we, you and I've talked about this a little bit. We just like to kind of be flexible and nimble and, um, try different things. You know, we sell contract templates, but that's not our main source of revenue. So at any given time, we may be doing promotions around that, which look very different than promotions for our one-on-one services, which is more kind of referral and relationship-based um, so we actually have a new marketing specialist who started this month. Um, she is awesome. So she's kind of working on our overall strategy. 
Um, but this was the year that we were really like, you know, uh, probably 80% of our new clients come from relationships, connections, referrals. So we are really kind of shifting our strategy to focus on that. And then it's like, how can our social support that? So that if someone refers us, of course, they're going to go check us out. Like, does what they see, you know, line up with what they would expect? Or does it establish our expertise, make it look like we're a group that they would want to work with? So we're we're shifting a little bit. It's exciting. Yes. And I want y'all to like underline that, especially those of you listening who are service providers or work for service providers. This is our strategy too. When it comes to social media for my company, for instance, most people don't find us on social media, but they do check us out (laughs) and they want to see that we know what we're doing. Right. And so the social strategy is more of, um, you know, for companies like ours, it's an expertise showcase. Here's what we, here's why we know what we know. Here's why you should trust us. So yes, having the followers and engagement and, and having, you know, posts is great, but the they serve a different role, um, and I'm so glad that you that you've done that as well. Um, so, how do you divvy up? You know, what comes from the brain of Autumn, and what comes from the the collective of AWB? Um, so, it used to all be me, <laughs> my brain. Um, we have now 170 podcasts, and you know, I've been in business eight years. We've put out so much content that now we're in a bit of a like, how can we repurpose? Um, I actually stopped releasing new episodes. The podcast is called the Legal Roadmap Podcast. You can go check it out. Uh, but I stopped repeat releasing new episodes because I felt like I was just repeating myself. I felt like I had nothing else to say. Legal is not like social media. Like there's not new and fun <laughs> things to talk about all the time. Um, so we have a we have a huge, you know, kind of library of things. So that's really what we're working on now is Autumn's brain doesn't have to come up with new things, hopefully. Um but we do, we, we started a new system last year of um, where we, any team member, if they see something interesting pop up legally, it's often with pop culture or celebrities around intellectual property, which is what we do a lot of, um, that they can submit an idea. And then it just goes into a content bank. And then when I'm looking for a topic for a video or our uh, marketing specialist is looking for a topic, they can go in there and it might have a link to an article or just like, hey, this popped up with a client. I think this is interesting. We might talk about that. Uh, so that's been really helpful because I feel like in the in the time when you're just looking at a blank page, you're like, I got to post something or I got to write an email. That's the worst time to try and be thinking of ideas. So we're always kind of gathering interesting little tidbits. Yeah. I love the submission process as well, especially as your team grows. I think it's going to be even more important to have that touch point with your clients as well without having to individually talk to everybody. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. So is there anything new that you're going to try in the new year? Are you exploring new platforms? Anything like that? We're so boring. I would say the the big thing that um, I have never really been big on LinkedIn. Like I know it exists, but I... I I even rarely even go on there, but um, I've been talking to folks that I think that could be an area to just get in front of new people. Um, We've done a really good job with our little corner of the internet. We work with a lot of people and their friends, but it's like you run out of people's friends. Um, So if we want to keep growing, we need to kind of get into new corners of the internet. So um, I'm looking into LinkedIn as a potential area to do that. Um, So we'll see. Oh, I love it. Yeah. LinkedIn is having its little moment right now because of everyone's mad at X, formerly known as Twitter. <laughs> and, you know, the meta conglomerate feels hmm, interesting sometimes. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. And 
And I mean, you tell me what you're hearing, Andrea, but I, my sense is that there's kind of a lower bar to entry on LinkedIn because it's not as busy. And so maybe your stuff can be seen a little more easily than on the other platforms. The algorithm is favoring video, which is like, I love video. That's easy and great. So, you know, if, if, if I'm going to get more eyeballs over there for the same amount of effort as on Instagram or Facebook, you know, maybe that's where we'll kind of switch some of our attention. Yeah, I will say LinkedIn is you don't have to have as much content. So right away, it feels like a release, like a little weight (laughs) off your shoulders. Um, I will say the vibe is different. So like reading the room may take a a second to figure it out. Yes. Um, But I love it. I like LinkedIn is one of my top platforms as well. I find that it's easy for me to engage there. Um, You know, when I think about Instagram and like the massive amounts of types of content that you can create. Is it a reel? Is it a post? Is it a carousel? Is it, you know what I mean? Is it a story? LinkedIn, there's just, it just feels more straightforward. Yeah. (laughs) So it's a simpler time on LinkedIn. (laughs) Yeah. But I do find it is a little stuffier. Like you said, Mm -hmm. Um, Instagram's definitely more relaxed or um, even threads. I'm having a lot of fun on threads right now, way more relaxed. And I find I get more business done on LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, if I'm sharing pictures of my kids, that's different than... Do I want to, you know, get in front of people who might hire us? Yeah. Well, good luck. It, like, I'm going to keep my eyes peeled for your LinkedIn strategy. I'm excited. Thank you. About it. Thank you. And for those folks who are listening who want to dive into your world, I know you've got this amazing resource. It is the 2023 Legal Trends Report. Tell us about it. Yeah. So we put this together. We started in 2022 and we're updating it every year. And this is really. You know, we work with mostly high six, seven, eight figure online businesses. So this is taking like, what are we seeing in those businesses um, that may be coming for smaller businesses? So we talk about things like trends with employment law, with building your team the right way, trends. I don't know if you're using text message marketing, but that is an area where we're seeing a lot of new laws popping up that people may not be aware of. Um, So we're really just trying to let people know what's coming, what they need to be aware of. Uh, I find I get on my soapbox sometimes. I find that a lot of people are, there's just things that I see going wrong behind the scenes that no one's talking about. And so the Legal Trends Report is full of those kinds of things like peel back the curtain. We don't share any names, of course, or share anything we shouldn't be. But these are things we're seeing kind of across our clients, either problems that they're having or um, new things that you can take advantage of to protect your business proactively. Oh, yeah. I'm going to need download this too. So y'all better <laughs> check it out. I'll put the link in the show notes. It's going to be onlinedrea.com slash 278. So this is episode 278. You can find it there as well as the links for all the ways to connect with Autumn and her company at AWB Firm. Um, I'll put all of those in the show notes as well. Autumn, thank you so much for being on the show. This was so fun. Thank you for this great conversation. And thank you, dear listener, for tuning in to another episode of the Savvy Social Podcast. Um, please rate us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Helps keep us in the top 100 marketing podcasts. We've hung out there all year because of your listenership. So keep up the great work. Um, next week, I'm coming back with one of my most popular episodes, Predictions for 2024. Tune in to get all of that goodness next week. I'll see you then. Bye for now.